Welcome to another episode of And Another Thing, the podcast that continues to set records across the globe. And then, as we always do, we break those records. My name is Jody Jenkins. My name is Tony Clement. And Tony, some exciting news that just happened. We were blocked by a gentleman named Emmett McFarlane on Twitter. Yes, we were. It was the big news for And Another Thing podcast uh, to be blocked by such an eminence grise, a professor at the University of Waterloo, Ontario. Yeah, and I want to. I, I got to tell this story because he had some of his um, people, his followers on Twitter, come after me. And what happened was, I had asked him a question about Alberta's. Um, easing of restrictions for COVID with gyms and restaurants. I think his comment on Twitter was these morons opening up gyms and restaurants. And I just like, I said to him, I just said, well, what would you do? And he said, not open gyms and restaurants or something like that. And then I asked for stats because I wanted to know if he has stats on whether gyms and restaurants are contributing to the increase in cases. And then he blocked me. Um, Or no, actually it was when I sent the cricket gif uh, that he blocked oh, me because he wouldn't yeah. respond. That's yeah. when he blocked me. But then he had all. Then I went over to my personal account and I said, "Hey, because instead you of did blocking, that on the podcast." Uh, yeah, Twitter I did that on the him. podcast account. Then I go over to my personal account and I said, "Hey," and I don't know. I've never heard of this guy before. And I said, "Hey, instead of blocking us, why don't you come on the show and have a wholesome discussion?" And he said, "Yeah, there's no wholesome discussions to be had with people that are delusional or callous about restrictions." And I was just, I just. So anyway, then his people just started going the at pylon, me. The pylon, uh, just started pylon, and I, of course, I was just making. I was having more and more fun, but I, <laughs> I literally didn't know who the guy was. And then they tried to make it sound like I was begging him to come on because I used my classic, uh, "Hey, if you come on for ten minutes, I'll give a hundred dollars to our local homeless shelter." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, who, who could refuse that? <laughs> I was just but, rubbing it in. Then but, they uh, then they were casting aspersions on our listenership. Yeah, yeah. And, he oh, wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't playing the game. It was. It was quite comical. So my question to you is, who is this guy? Like, is he known in political circles or? No, he's a Twitter know-it-all. Uh, he's okay. a professor of political science, and uh, he's written a book or two on the Constitution of Canada, but I'd never heard of him before he started spouting off on Twitter for the last few years. And then then he went away for a while because when uh, Trump was impeached by the U.S. House of Representatives Part 1, uh, and the Senate was considering convicting him, uh, he said something like, if they don't convict him, people should march on Congress and burn it down or something like that. This was like almost a year before people were marching on Congress wanting to burn it down. So so anyway, he got into a little bit of trouble, I think, with his employer for uh, his incendiary language. Uh, and um, that's what I know about the guy. I've never met him. Um, uh, he used to comment on my my tweets. Uh, I don't uh, I don't see him following me these days, but uh, I wouldn't worry about it, Jody. I know you can take it. Oh, I, I'm not worried. I and I'll be very. Let me be very transparent and clear. This show is not above using other people to get attention. So, <laughs> so that's right. I mean, yes. if it's a long if proud it take, history, <laughs> if it takes inciting Emmett McFarland followers to get a few more listeners. We'll do it. Hey, whatever we'll do it, it baby. And yeah. I should say this, that guy, he's invited any time. He kept saying that we would argue with him. And I, I obviously he's never listened to the show because 
I don't think I've ever argued with anyone on the show. No, we've never had a hostile interview. No, and I wouldn't do it. Quite, we're quite respectful, uh, even of yeah. people who don't have the same views that we exactly. have. Exactly. Uh, Robert Benzie, Scott Bryson, come on. Like we don't agree with everything that's, those guys. No, say. that's right. Yeah, and and you were you were good with uh, Michael oh, Chong. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> We, we, we've had some very good guests that we don't agree with. Yeah. So anyway, Emmett, you're more than welcome to come on the program and I'm going to tag him in this because then yeah, I'll force Emmett, him to listen to this episode. Come on, Emmett. Go for it, <laughs> be a, Emmett. Be a good sport. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> thanks to our sponsors, Municipal Solutions, uh, John Mutton and the team. We appreciate their continued support. Uh, Tony, I know you got a couple details you want to share on them. Municipal Solutions are the presenting sponsor, so we thank John Button and the gang for continuing to be the presenting sponsor to And Another Thing podcast at municipalsolutions.ca is where you can find them. Great for business development. Uh, John Mutton is making up for lost time. His 33-day <laughs> window in Warsaw is over, so he's very busy on business development right now. He's helping people with analyzing markets, uh, he's done energy and infrastructure advancement in the past, uh, strategic planning, stakeholder and government relations. That's his bread and butter as well, as well as public policy development. MunicipalSolutions.ca is where you find the gang there. And also Lord and Lady Coffee. Find them online at lordandlady.ca. We ship anywhere in Canada, spend over $40, and shipping is free. And Polytrack, our Polytrack. newest sponsor. Yeah, they're great. Uh, Chris and the gang at Polytrack, they're great, uh, great organization. If you are a government relations professional and want a secure hub to store all of your advocacy data, and that could include stakeholder contact details, engagement reports, key messages, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, there's a lot of compliance you've got to do when you're lobbying government and these government relations folks. Uh, it's important to have their advocacy data at their fingertips. It means you spend less time on compliance and more time growing your business. Visit polytrack.com and mention and another thing podcast when you sign up and you will receive their white glove onboarding service free including a tutorial q a for your team go to polytrack with a q.com polytrack.com okay now that we've rolled through all our amazing sponsors we have a Wonderful guest today. We're so excited to welcome a good friend of the show. His first time on the program. Uh, knows you very well, Tony. Uh, he's a good friend of mine as well. He is the former MP, and I'll screw this up. I want to say Windsor Essex. Is that right? Or no? Essex. Essex. Just Essex. He's the former MP for Essex. You heard that voice there. And uh, he is now the leader of the Maverick Party. Is that correct? <laughs> No. <laughs> Please welcome to And Another Thing, Jeff Watson. Bravo, Jeff. Thank you. Happy Groundhog Day, by the way. I heard the uh, Prime Minister emerge from the taxpayer-funded cottage, saw his shadow, and it's going to be a long, cold winter for taxpayers. <laughs> well, that is, a, that is not news, but that, too, is reality, as Peter Truman once said. Yes, absolutely. Now, you should mention, Jeff, that you are no longer residing in Windsor. You're in Alberta, are you not? That's correct. Um, the, the family and I, we moved uh, west uh, in 2016 in uh, large part to help 
the current Premier, Jason Kenney, and a former colleague of ours, uh, put a couple of uh, political parties together into one and uh, uh, be able to defeat uh, Alberta's NDP government at the time and uh, get some common sense back uh, at the uh, legislature here. So it's been a good project, a successful one so far. And of course, the challenges are many and Premier and his government are doing their best through a tough season right now. Yeah, it's tough all around, of course. Uh, uh, do you, how do you think Jason Kenney and, the, and his team are doing right now? Uh, I know they've had challenges, but do you think that they're weathering them okay? I, I think fair. Um, you know, we've, there's, there's two problems or two, two main challenges out here. One was um, the state of the economy before uh, the COVID pandemic. We went through, once the oil prices collapsed in 2015, we had a series of recessionary cycles out here while the rest of the country was doing well. And uh, we've seen, a, you know, a, a major attrition in jobs in the energy sector out here. That's been challenging, challenging for government coffers, of course, too. The revenues aren't there. So that problem is an ongoing one to manage. How do we get the economy going? Uh, the pandemic, there's no playbook for any government. Let's just sort of be honest about that. How do you... How do you try to deal with this and manage your healthcare systems? That's a big challenge. Um, I think on a per capita basis, we've done, a, I think, a better job than other parts of the country. And I, I would say that our premier has tried, um, you know, to throttle a, a little more closer to, um, you know, keeping things as open as possible rather than, um, you know, a series of real tight, aggressive lockdown. So he straddled between those positions, but generally more to the side of uh, trying to keep the economy open. So I think that's, you know, good grades for that. Now, Jeff, one of the main reasons we have you here is to do your Terry Malefsky impression. (laughs) So we're going to get, we're going to get the comical stuff out of the way. Then we're going to get to the hard hitting stuff. But a couple weeks ago, Tony and I were chatting about different impressions and who we get mistaken for, and your name came up with the Terry Malefsky thing. And so, oh, no. would you would you grant us like do that for us? Would you grace us with your ability? I don't know. If, I don't know if I handle the old Trotskyite as well as I used to. But uh, <laughs> a shocking revelations, Peter. A uh, pastor's wife has been seized and thrown in a white van, taken to the hotel. <laughs> Justin Trudeau. Not able to tell anyone. Fucking back to you, Peter. <laughs> that was Terry Malefsky from <laughs> CBC News. <laughs> CBC from Pravda. Okay, so let's let's get into the serious stuff because one of the one of the discussions we wanted to have, and I, I don't want to put you on the spot, and obviously you, you're, I'm sure you'll go as far as you can. Um, we we actually started talking, bringing up your name when the whole. Derek Sloan situation happened with getting um, tossed from uh, the party or caucus. And I know that you've got some background on uh, obviously the reform act as well as Tony does. And I'm sure you guys can probably go back and forth on some of these things and share some thoughts, but I'm just curious, I guess from an overarching perspective, your thoughts on that whole situation, because it is a little tense. Um, with what had happened there with that MP and maybe kind of related to some, some of the experiences you guys have had. Well, despite your efforts to frame this as the reform act, I think the actual reason you came to me is because I have experience leading the charge to get somebody out of caucus. You'll probably remember that fellow Garth Turner, at least hacks will remember it. Everybody else is running to their duck, duck, go search engine. I forget who's Garth 
Turner. But uh, we we did have um, a member of caucus. Uh, used to be a Mulroney member um, back in the day, and then made a comeback uh, during the Harper years. And Garth was a provocative guy with a lot of opinions. Uh, the first of the sort of blogging. Uh, when that was a big thing, and uh, you know, he was an irritant, if you will. But um, the the sin that he committed against the caucus wasn't that he was a provocateur, or that he had different policy positions, or even that he criticized the leader. It was, was that he was leaking confidential uh, caucus meetings verbatim to major media, and we felt that was a reason to remove him from uh, the caucus. And of course, the leak stopped once that happened. <laughs> Shocking. And that was yeah. Well, it, and it, but it was a bottom up process. There were some of us in Ontario caucus, and we dealt with it as a regional matter. The national caucus was only asked to ratify Ontario caucus's decision, and, and that was all pre-reform act days. Um, so we didn't need a reform act to be able to do um, an important measure of sort of caucus discipline as peers. Remember, we're all members of parliament. Um, the reform act, though, uh, you know, a lot of that was born out of some of the uh, struggles between, um, you know, the virtually unlimited power of a leader and um, and what are the rights and privileges of caucus members and, you know, how do we sort of strike that balance and respect the backbench, if you will. And we had a few fights on the House of, the House of Commons floor about who could get up and speak on what issues. And, you know, the party at the time, the leader and the whip felt that, you know, their list was the way to go. And we thought, well, we, we have some rights and we shouldn't be excluded from being able to talk. And that provoked a speaker's ruling. And so there were a number of things that back in that day that produced this atmosphere where we had structural reform. And I think the Reform Act was a good step forward. At least it allowed caucus uh, some control over matters of or structure over matters of how you, if you have to discipline a caucus member or even trigger a leadership review that's one of the other provisions of the reform act it just it, it was a bit of a rebalancing of the power if you will away from sort of the leader's office into uh into the hands of regular everyday you know, caucus members jeff and tony sorry tony but i just wanted to ask this quick question because it always seems to come up with uh, leaders and i'm not i'm not i'm not pointing out aaron O'Toole right now because he hasn't been in there long enough. I, I don't know if it's fair, but anyway, here's my question. Most of the conservatives that you talk to talk about how difficult it is to manage different personalities within any any party for that matter. I'm just focusing on the conservatives, but everyone always says the same thing that I find is that Stephen Harper did a masterful job of it, and you guys can might be agree or disagree, and that's where I want you to weigh in, but who else, has there been any other anybody else, or was Stephen kind of the benchmark for being able to make things work in in a relatively uh, amicable fashion? Because it, it just isn't happening the way it used to. And maybe you know, maybe Mulroney was great at it too. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on how how Harper did it, and has there been others that have been successful with doing that? Well, let me. Let me uh, let me start. I I, I agree. Uh, Stephen Harper was was superb at it, as was Brian Mulroney. You're right about Brian Mulroney. And you know when you look at their personalities, they're so different. That's the thing. 
And so Brian Mulrooney made an effort to know every caucus member, to uh, understand if, if, if their spouse was in hospital, he, he would have sent flowers from him and Mila to the hospital bed. Uh, he'd remember anniversaries, remember birthdays, those kinds of things. Um, and so it, he basically, he created this uh, affection for him as prime minister, and that translated into loyalty. Uh, Harper was a different, a bit of a different cat. Obviously, um, I, I, I don't think anyone would call Stephen Harper warm and fuzzy, but uh, he uh, he created a great deal of respect because he uh, would he would know his stuff inside and out. And he always made it clear to his cabinet members to treat uh, caucus backbenchers with respect. So he would he would get angry if, let's say, a cabinet minister would go to a go to a caucus member's riding without informing the caucus member, and he may, he would make a great display about how that was unacceptable. Uh, you know, we're all part of the same team, and cabinet members are only in cabinet because we have backbenchers who won their seats. So that was how I believe Harper engendered that kind of loyalty. Uh, Jeff? Uh, Stephen Harper was a, um, a leader who had very clear ideas, a very clear direction where he felt things should be going in terms of the country, how to deal with the economy, etc. Um, but he also showed, and unfortunately this was never really seen in the public eye, but in the caucus room, I can tell you that if, if, if members had different ideas or had very strong opinions uh, that were different than the leaders, um, you know, he would often go back to the drawing board, right? He would respect that the caucus had, um, you know, very clear views that were different, come back with different ideas or, you know, rework some of his ideas until he had caucus acceptance. And I think that's important. Caucus management is uh, is a very important thing when you're a leader. I, I, I do want to state, though, that the Reform Act is leadership blind. It's not It's not about Stephen Harper, per se. Um, it's not about Aaron O'Toole. It can be about any party leader. And it, that more generically was about, you know, whether leaders have too much power versus, you know, in relationship to the backbench. And um, so I, I want to be sure that we don't sort of conflate the two that the Reform Act is about Stephen Harper, or it's about Aaron O'Toole or anybody else. It is, and it's, it's, about, it's about ensuring that members of Parliament can act in their fullness and leaders can be leaders. And, you know, we have some process around a couple of key items. That's what the Reform Act is about. But I, I appreciated the leadership of Stephen Harper. He challenged me to think in ways that I hadn't thought before. Um, his, um, he was... Tony said he may not have been sort of the heart guy, but he was certainly the cerebral guy. And and um, I love the way he could unpack complex uh, policy issues, um, whether it was Middle East, um, you know, what's going on in the Middle East, or whether it was, um, um, you know, how to how to take on global terrorism or anything else like that. And um, it really provided a challenge for me. Guys like me were a challenge for uh, for the leader because you know I, I'm not easy to bridle, if you will, and. And, uh, but he learned to respect me. We did have a difference. I voted against a three-line whip on a, on a, a matter that was a, a, a bill on a labor issue. And uh, we just had very different views. We had a long policy conversation before that vote came up about the uh, balance in the Canada uh, Labor Code. And we just had a disagreement. He respected it in the end and allowed me to vote the way I voted. And, 
and um, you know, I, I still live to tell about it. So that's a, that's a fuller glimpse, I think, than what the media would portray Stephen Harper as. Tony, I don't want to put you on the spot, but what's what's the when you were the president of the Treasury Board? Obviously, you were close to to Harper. What's the worst thing that Stephen ever said about Jeff to you? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's under cabinet confidentiality. So, uh, there we go. but can I just say how unique? Yeah, yeah. Can I just say how unique it is? Uh, this this reform act. Uh, it was a Mike Mike Chong's uh, uh, bill, and it passed Parliament. But it has to be uh, the the way the terms of the act work. Each caucus has to accept or reject the Reform Act provisions at the start of every new parliament. And so typically what happens, what has happened since his passage is that the the Liberals and the NDP caucuses ignore it, and it's the Conservative caucus that adheres to it. And that's when you see differences on, uh, here's how key the differences are. So uh, if in the case of Derek Sloan, there was a debate in the caucus uh, about uh, whether he was uh, to remain in caucus or not, and there was a there was a vote of caucus whether he was to remain in caucus or not. In compare and contrast to how Jody Wilson Raybould and Jane Philpot were treated in the Liberal caucus when they had a major disagreement with Justin Trudeau, Tr- Trudeau just booted them out. True. Uh, it, 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 there, there was no debate. There was no due process. There was no, uh, you know, arguments for and against in the caucus. They were just gone. Boom! You're 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 out of our caucus. Have a nice life. So so I I, I think it is quite important to have some due process in these issues, and that certainly is the case in the Conservative caucus. Yeah, I think they um. um... They hold a vote on the provisions. Uh, I think the Conservative Caucus adopted all of them except the provision about um, being able to trigger a leadership review. Uh, but they, they did a series of individual votes on the parameters, and that really is a culture change. Um, we, you know, I, I say we because I, you know, Tony, but Conservatives, uh, you know, we believe in accountability that matters. Um, you know, and and having a, a mechanism where peers can look at each other in a process and say, you know what, you've, you've done something that's against, um, you know, very vital in terms of how we exercise our rights and privileges as members of parliament. I always get shy about using rights and privileges because it sounds elite, but it's not. You know, um, you, know you have fundamental um, rights that we give to each other as MPs to speak the freest possible. That's important for our constituents. We have to be able to go there uh, in confidentiality, for example, about in uh, you know, our, and resolve our policy differences, come to consensus about things if we can, uh, but fight really hard inside of a caucus room to, um, you know, to represent um, our people back home. And, um, you know, when those, those, are, those are the rights and privileges I talk about, our ability to stand on our feet, uh, be recognized by a speaker, and speak freely about any issue we want in the House of Commons. Um, whether leaders want it or don't want it, et cetera. You know, those are important rights and privileges. That's the terminology, inside baseball terminology, that uh, they use inside of a House of Commons. It's not an elite word. It just means that we have... Those things have to be fundamentally guarded. My only concerns about the use of the Reform Act in this particular instance um, is, you know, whether that was enhanced for caucus members, uh, you know, because of the leader statement or whether that's diminished. And, um, you know, caucus members have to jealously guard those things because that's the 
that's that's what fundamentally gives them everything they need uh, to you know to fight hard for the issues that matter uh, to their constituents. So, well, you raise a good point because uh, the way it was handled, and I'm not sure it could have been handled in any other way, by the way, but the way uh, it was handled with Derek Sloan. Uh, it became immediately a test of leadership for Aaron O'Toole. If he would have lost that vote, and if uh, if caucus had rejected removing Derek Sloan from caucus, that would have been a huge black eye for Aaron O'Toole. So the stakes were really high. And I think at the end of the day, a lot of people voted to remove Derek Sloan because they didn't want to be seen as diminishing the leadership uh, and having a massive disagreement with the leader, Aaron O'Toole. Yeah, I don't have intimate knowledge about a lot of the conversations in the caucus, but, you know, contrasted to back when the Garth Turner situation happened pre-Reform Act for us, um, you know, the leader um, wasn't brought in until close to the end. This really was um, a matter of regional caucus members dealing with, um, you know, with Garth on a singular issue. And, you know, obviously the leader couldn't be blindsided. We had to, you know, we had to do a checkoff before we actually proceeded with, um, you know, a vote to remove somebody from our regional caucus. So um, in that sense, um, you know, this was now that, you know, the Garth Turner situation was never a a question about the leadership of, of our leader, you know, as you sort of frame the issue with Aaron this time around. Um, So yeah, it complicates it, but you know, caucus has to remember that those provisions, I always, I always say it like this, listen, if you're, if you're willing to say yes to the provisions where caucus can vote uh, to expel a caucus member, you also have to be able to say yes to the provisions of triggering a leadership review. If you can't do it in either direction, uh, maybe you shouldn't be doing any of it, but (laughs) I, I think that's a litmus test for, you know, whether you can be fully, fully accountable. Um, you know, and, and do this in a in a straightforward way that uh, protects uh, the fullness of your autonomy as MPs. Jeff, we're we're running out of time here, but I just a couple of quick things on your background because I know that you're you have a couple accomplishments that uh, are very very cool. Um, first auto worker elected to Parliament, is that correct? Uh, yeah, uh, according to the Library of Parliament, uh, first auto worker by profession. I spent a number of years working at Chrysler elected right off the assembly line. Okay, and you also hold, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I no, sorry, I might be wrong on this, something to do with pies in your hometown of Essex or something? Is it pies or apple eating or something? Or cor- oh, a- apple peeling. Apple yeah, peeling, the, apple uh, peeling. The Ruthven Apple Fest um, apple peeling uh, champion for nine years. Actually, my wife says it was the full 11 uh, but two years, I was gracious to a couple of the local mayors to allow them to their split peel to be counted as a unified peel. How do you peel? Like, what is it? Is it like with a peeler? Or is there something like I'm no, missing? No, no. In fact, they use a serrated knife with a rounded nose to it, and you have to be able to do the longest continue uh, the longest oh. continuous peel without breaking. Lots of hazards uh, in that, but uh, <laughs> that was fun. I, I did pretty good at the Plowman's Association plowing match, too, in the political class for a guy who wasn't a natural uh, hand plower, but it, it worked out all right. We had we had a lot of fun back in the day, and I love the rural traditions, um, you know, in a, in a rural riding like Essex. 
you know, the plowing match is such a huge political event. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, it's been canceled the last year. But uh, generally, uh, you'll get like a couple of hundred thousand people out for the international plowing match in Ontario. And every politician has to be there. And every politician, uh, every leader has to drive a tractor these are uh, skills that don't come easily to, to many politicians, but uh, I remember I remember Kathleen Wynne having her chance to to drive a tractor. So it's it's not something you can slough off and not do. Well, we had to push the plow, um, you know, a more old fashioned wow. plow. We we were tractor assisted in terms of uh, the, the pull. We didn't do horse assist, but. Uh, yeah, and we had to we had to dig a few furrows or plow a few furrows, um, and uh, now we competed in the politician class, so I stood a chance against some of the other mayors. But um, you know, I, I, if I had to compete against the actual farmers who do this really well, yeah, I was not so good. <laughs> um, hey, I got one more question, and then I don't know if Tony wants to wrap it up, but uh, I'm going to ask a Tony Clement style question. Uh-oh. I'm beating him to the punch on this. Jeff, if you had to choose one album, musical album, to listen to for a month straight, what album would it be and why? Oh, it was the Watershed album of my generation in the 1980s. Uh, and that's Joshua Tree by U2. There was oh. nothing like it before, and there's been nothing like it after. Interesting. I thought you were going to say Young MC, Stone Cold Ryman, because that was a good that was a good album from the eighties too. That was a close second. Okay, so this. Tony, like did I do your that? T- that was a Tony question for sure. Yeah, no, there's somebody on Colbert who uh, was asked that question, and they came up with "Our lips are sealed" or something, and then Colbert just lost it. That was our the- lips are sealed. Isn't yeah. that? That's uh, the yeah, the yeah, the go goes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <lips> sealed. <laughs> so you didn't go down that route, Jeff. Congratulations on that. Um, if if you could look, uh, I I I just interested. Uh, do you do you have any uh, desire to go back into Parliament uh, at any time? I've I've never closed the door on that. Um, you know I. I lost the 2015 election in the Trudeau sweep. A lot of us in Ontario did. Um, and I felt like I left a lot of vision and um, uh, more things to accomplish still on the table. And I, I still feel that way. I still have a deep heart for the nation. I'm getting a different perspective, um, regional perspective, living in Alberta and, and what they carry as Albertans out here. I, I don't want to suggest that I'm a you know, native born who's, you know, um, in that sense, but I'm learning. Uh, by living out here and you know my heart still beats uh, pretty deeply for uh, the country it's i believe it's heading in the wrong direction in a number of ways but uh, i don't know if that door will reopen for me or not um but um you know i've never never fully closed the door and maybe i'll maybe i'll grow up a little bit more and <laughs> be able to make a better contribution or have an opportunity again at some point if it doesn't listen i served nearly 12 years uh four terms um and did some amazing things. Tony, you were a, a, an instrumental help at the cabinet table on a few key files dealing with the auto sector, for example, and some of its trying days. Um, that was important for people in Essex and down in Windsor. And, uh, you know, the auto footprint still has a fighting chance here in this country, thanks to some of the work that we did on that. And, um, you know, if, if, if that was it, um, taking the, you know, being part of taking the country through the Great Recession, helping our region grow forward, um, you know, that's great. And I, I had a privilege that very few people have ever had 
um, in this country. Right on. Jeff, thanks so much for doing this. I know that um, there's so much more we could talk about, um, but we are out of time. But we do appreciate you taking the time to join us, and we wish you all the best in your future endeavors. And hopefully at some point we'll see you back in Ontario with the family. Well, I appreciate it, and thank you for not asking me about my golf handicap because that would have been a shocking revelation. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff, take care. All the best. All the best to you. Take care, buddy. Jeff Watson, always a pleasure. Oh, I say always. That was his first time on the show, but uh, that guy's like a, a wealth of knowledge. He knows a lot of stuff. He does. Uh, he was a great MP. I, I miss him. Did you go to his riding much? Yeah, I went to Essex. Sure. Yeah, we, yeah. we spent some time together. Uh, it was great, uh, great rural riding, and it was the closest thing we had to a Windsor riding at the time. So, uh, sure, I went there. And who's riding, if you, I don't know if you remember, but who's riding did you visit the most in your time, do you think? Oh, my word. I, I Because I was Fednor minister, I, I probably visited uh, the opposition-held ridings in Sudbury and Thunder Bay the most, you know? Well, actually, no. So the correct answer is who's riding um, does Parliament, uh, where, where Parliament uh, Hill, where is that? Who's uh, riding is that? I don't know whose writing is that. I have no <laughs> idea. What writing is that? Some some we liberal writing. Yeah. Is it a liberal writing? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> we should. We need to get Pierre on. He would know. Pierre yeah, probably yeah. would know whose yeah. writing that is. If you know, email us or, or Twitter. Send us a tweet. Uh, I, yeah, you're right. It probably is some liberal Ottawa writing. Center or something like that. <laughs> anyway, Tony, we uh, we appreciate uh, Jeff doing that. That was a lot of fun, and we appreciate, of course, all our supporters, uh, sponsors, including uh, Municipal Solutions. You can find them online at municipalsolutions.ca, as well as Lord and Lady Coffee at lordandlady.ca. Spend over $40, and you can get shipping free. And Polytrack, which I know you got some info on. Yeah, polytrack.com or polytrack.ca. Uh, both work uh, with Polytrack with a Q. And uh, mention and another thing, podcast, when you sign up for their service, and you can receive... White Glove onboarding service free, polytrack.com. Tony, enjoy the rest of your week, and we will do this again in seven days. You betcha.